family, listeners, church. We are excited with this is um, our discussion on Palm Sunday, which means we only have a couple more days until Easter. We are one people, many stories, and we are so excited to be talking with you today, continuing this Lent journey. And I'm Pastor Laura, and I have two people here with me. First one is Melissa. Hi. And then our guest speaker today who preached this past Sunday, Pastor Bailey. Hey, everyone. So Pastor Bailey talked, she led us through what Palm Sunday is. And before we get started into the discussion, Melissa, do you want to read the passage for us today? Yes, sure. The scripture today is from Matthew chapter 21 from verse 12 to 17. I'm reading from the NIV. Jesus entered the temple area and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did, And the children shouting in the temple area, Hosanna to the son of David. They were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him. Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read? From the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise. And he left them and went out to the city of Bethany, where he spent the night. Uh, Pastor Bailey, you had helped me in this, um, in your sermon, kind of creating this context of what Palm Sunday looks like. And growing up Catholic, I had a very exciting Palm Sunday. Like kids, we, you know, make the cross out of the palms. And that was such a fun um, Sunday to have together. But then you kind of created this, this next Guess what happened? You're like, what? Well, guess what happens right after he has his triumphal entry into the city? He goes to the temple and totally rocks their world of what they think they're doing is right. And he throws it down in the best Jesus way possible, righteous anger. And um, can you tell us about a little bit about that, about your perspective on what Jesus in the temple means to you? Yeah, I think when we look at Palm Sunday, we have to look at what happens after and we have to look at the context for it to have its full effect, for it to be as powerful as it's meant to be. And so when we see Palm Sunday and we see Jesus entering and we just see hordes of people, crowds of people welcoming him like a king, shouting at him, calling him a king and just praising him as he enters into the city, And then to see the contrast of that scene with him entering the temple and being frustrated and seeing the hypocrisy and seeing the people who are lying and manipulating and taking what is supposed to be the house of prayer, the house of God and making it what he calls it a den of robbers. And so I think it's interesting to see, you know, people are so excited to see Jesus. He's entering. They want to see his miracles Then when it comes to worshiping God, when it comes to acting out that sacred space, they're being hypocrites. And so it's really interesting to see that dichotomy of 
okay, exciting palms. Yay, Jesus. And then we're in the temple using this space that is meant to be holy and we're using it for our own advantage and own advantage. We're using it to take advantage of others. We're using it to gain financial support for ourselves. And it totally is a different side. Melissa, what do you, what do you have to say about this? <laughs> I think it was interesting because I mean, I've done the Palm Sunday story for years growing up in the church myself. And you've, you've never thought, I mean, you knew it happened like then, but it was never like preached on a Sunday. And I thought, I thought that was interesting bringing it out, not only just us, not only just the celebrating and the worshiping him and, and them exalting him as the king, but here he is coming to the temple, coming to his father's house and seeing it in, in chaos. Really, this, this was not the purpose for it. And him setting it right as the king, putting things in order as a king should, as a king would, setting, setting um, establishing the order really and setting things up the way it should be and it was intended to be and I've you always look at the scripture with with Jesus getting upset and getting angry and you're thinking yeah righteous indignation we have the right to do these things <laughs> yeah <laughs> and it it God sees the heart <laughs> and he understands what they were doing and and him getting upset at it is is I mean, you know, it was well-deserved. It needed to be upset if you walked into your father's house and people were yeah. doing their own thing with it. It's like, no, no, this is this is not what it should be. So I, I too found it interesting that that was the slant for Sunday. <laughs> More of the cleaning up of the temple and putting things back in order rather than the praising Hosanna, Hosanna. Yeah. And um, in this context, we see that people are, are selling doves. Bailey, you called them the sleazy dove salesmen <laughs> that are waiting to take advantage of these people are, that are doing pilgrimages. And again, these are the robbers. Like Jesus didn't even say, you're kind of not cool. No, he straight up calls them, you are robbing these people and totally disgracing my father's house. Um, what, what, is, what do you guys think is significant about them selling doves? Yeah, I would say the most frustrating thing that I can think of when I see this is two different things. First thing is people came to the temple to make a sacrifice and to lift it up to the Lord. And so people would take doves or small animals and they would sacrifice it and they would use those so they could go and have a sacred moment with God. And so people selling doves I'm going to use a really strong word here, but it's almost like they're prostituting the temple. Like they are seriously selling these doves and they are saying, okay, you want to, you want to be able to be close to who God is. We're going to use this to our advantage and we're going to sell these things. And so you can take advantage of the body of Christ and you can only enter if you have these sacrifices and you, you know, maybe migrated or traveled so far to come be with us so we're gonna do take what you need 
to be here and we're going to sell it. We're going to hike up the price. We're going to be right here in your face. And I just think that is so, it's just the most, it's the epitome of evil. And it's really, it's, it's really bad, a really, really bad moment. So I think that in and of itself is disturbing, but I think also why I think Jesus is so mad is obviously that's a powerful thing. They're taking advantage of others. They're hiking up these prices. They're taking advantage of people who want to worship God, but also they're just robbing them spiritually. People have come so far to have this sacred space, to have this secure space, and they're being robbed of that chance because they're worried or they're frustrated or they don't know what to do and they feel backed in a corner. And I just, that's really, it makes me think, not to get on a tangent here, but it does make me think of the church It's like some people come to church and they might think, oh, to fit in this arena, I have to be like this. Mm -hmm. I have to have this. I have to dress this way. Mm -hmm. I have to talk this way. And if I don't do these things, I don't belong here. And I think that's a really good representation of the modern day church because it's like, that's such a problem. There are people that need to just be with God that want to be part of his body. And they feel like they have to make themselves a certain way or, you know, buy the Kool-Aid from, you know, the people who are selling that to be able to be a part of it. Don't buy the Kool-Aid. Don't take it, it, everyone. (laughs) Oh, man. When I think of the dove, Mm -hmm. I had to do a little little more research because I knew the dove was a sacrifice. But what I also found was that it was a sacrifice of mostly poor. And... not only mostly poor, but women. And I found that so interesting because women, when they had their firstborn, it's, you know, it's in the Old Testament. (laughs) They would, they would have to bring these doves at the end of this, this, um, their cycle, this period, they'd have to bring this, this dove and present it. And I thought, oh my goodness, (laughs) no wonder Jesus got that mad. (laughs) No wonder he was that upset because one, not only are they taking advantage of poor, I mean, they're always being taken advantage of, but here you're taking advantage of women as well. Oh, come on, come on. I think that just tipped him off and it's like, no, we don't clean this up. We got to straighten this. We have to set it straight. And it was all the throwing, throwing out. And and Pastor Bailey, when you were, were preaching Sunday, um, what came out to me so much as you and you you just said it too was the church. How many times are people coming to church and instead of us being there to encourage them, to being a source of, of leading them to the Father, teaching them the true meaning of worship and demonstrating how to truly worship God, we're a distraction. We're taking advantage of them. We're showing them all the wrong things and and we're not creating your words again pastor Bailey that safe place for them to meet with God and to, to have that time so that that does thing for me was like no this is this is really powerful and yeah I can I can so relate to you getting upset defend us defend the poor defend the women and and that's what we are called to do as Christians, you know, yes. we, we have to represent, we have to speak out, we have to speak to powers, we were saying last week, Pastor Laura, 
Yeah. We got to flip the tables of the temple. We got to. <laughs> we, we have to sometimes, don't we? <laughs> to, to get our point over. No, but, but honestly, to get your point over, people won't see when you're in the corner just trying to talk. They'll more see if you flip the table. Like, oh, what's that? What's happening over there? Yeah. So I, I that 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 dove thing was was interesting for me. I just want to make a comment of what you were just saying about the flipping of the tables. One of the things that I loved that I had found after some research or just after looking at the passage a little closer, if you see what it says, it says he drove them out. Mm-hmm. And I love that part because I'm picturing so many people. I mean, if you've been, I mean, I know it's not the same, but if you've been to Jerusalem, it's just there are people everywhere, packed, people selling things. And so I like to picture it kind of like that at the temple in the temple courts. And he probably drove so many people out. He was so frustrated and had this, I don't know, I like to think of this holy anger that people mm-hmm. just started scattering. And I love to picture that. It's like nobody stuck around. Mm-hmm. People left. People were gone. <laughs> yeah. I love to imagine people like, oh, no, like grabbing everything they can and just <laughs> yes. trying to get out of the way before yeah, their yeah, own yeah. table gets flipped, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, Bailey, I do. I, I, I must make a comment on this, but your comparison of what you do day to day working with the Rachel's House women in in this Palm Sunday message was so um, rich and a, a real a real life thing that happens in every single city, every single woman that comes out of incarceration. Like this is such a mirror to what challenges and obstacles they go through, and. I, I love that, especially since I, I've met some of them. I'm just like, yes, this is, this is where the church needs to be. They, they need to be flipping the tables and whatever that looks like in, these, in the lives of these women um, and clearing a path for them who are trying to better themselves and are excited. And, and then comes the person selling them the doves, you know, and then there's that temptation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, they're telling me this is good for me. I should be giving this as a sacrifice, X, Y, Z, whatever that is, fill it in, you know, fill that in there. But um, in the church, letting it happen in their own yards, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot of ways that we can speak into those things. And I think, you know, I gave the example of women, you know, leaving prison and then being tempted, but I think something that I wish I would have mentioned more, I'm not quite sure if I did would be maybe the way it applies more to the church is they leave and people are so excited that they're leaving prison and people are so pumped that they're leaving incarceration. They think it's a beautiful thing. But then when the women want to come worship and they want to be part of a good community, people judge them. And people from the church are, they say, well, we're really excited that you left. And we're really excited that you're trying your new life, but you can't come into my car because I don't trust you. Oh, you can't come to my house because what if you take some of my stuff? Oh, you know, mm-hmm. you kind of intimidate me. So yeah, do you want me to just give you some money? And mm-hmm. I think that's a good wow. example too of like, you know, we welcome Jesus, we welcome Jesus. But then when it's time to really sit with him and do the hard work, we want to just give a cheap representation of a dove. And I think that's what happens with the ladies. People are excited that they leave prison and they're excited to see them change their life. But then when it comes to engaging with them, people are so judgmental and afraid. And I find that interesting as well. So that could also be applied to that narrative of 
how many people do we see in need and we see the poor and we're like, wow, let's go help them. But then when it comes to really engaging with people, when it comes to really being in community with them, it's so hard. It's so hard. Um, and we've all been there. We've all been judgmental. And I'm not trying to say I'm above that. You know, none of us are. But I think it's a the whole point of Lent is taking a look in the mirror and saying, okay, God, what do I need to do to sacrifice here? So yeah, cleaning the house as you were talking. That's, that's what I was getting. It's uh, worshiping can be easy. It's, it's, you know, we, we know we've been in a church. If you've been in long enough, you know when to do it, how to do it. Mm-hmm. And, and the worshiping is, yeah, that can be easy, but true worship cleans us up after because with the true worship, we're inviting God into us, into our hearts, deep on the inside of us. And then Obviously, he can't stay there once there's sin there. He has to clean that out. He has to get rid of it. Him going to that temple, and let's get, we need to get rid of these things. We got to clean it up. And he needs to clean our hearts so that we can truly represent him and truly, truly be Christ to people. And it can be uncomfortable, <laughs> as we saw. Yeah. As we write in the story, it it, it wasn't a, it wasn't a nice act. It wasn't easy scene. I figure seeing that grabbing your stuff and running away, but it is necessary if we are to truly represent Christ and to 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 not be a distraction to others, but to truly lead them. And and that is truly a powerful story with with the women. That's really definitely. Yeah. So immediately after Jesus has this righteous anger, he is being praised by little children. And mm-hmm. I thought that's so, so significant. The The whole context around this is like Palm Sunday, flipped, you know, not Palm Sunday, um, like the palms and him coming in and then going to the temple, this righteous anger, flip the tables and then children so innocently sending their praise and then in the corner you see the leaders blah, 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 this jesus is back again you know like grumbling to themselves and they're totally not worshiping them at all you know in fact they're planning his death mm-hmm. but i what what are you guys thinking what, what does it mean for you that these children are you know saying hosanna hosanna so i think one of the most powerful parts of it is when the leaders so this is like my theological nerd side coming out a little bit. Let's um, hear it. Let's hear it. Okay, here it is. So it's kind of interesting because right afterwards, after the kids are praising him, and then when the Pharisees and the leaders are like, who are you? Why are the kids praising you? You know, and they're being like screwed. They really are. That's how I read it. That's exactly their voices. Yeah. You know what's funny? In reality, they were probably more like, who are you? Like, they were probably more like us. Like, who's this? But we like to make them seem evil because we don't want to be like, oh, that might have been us. Um, well, let's put that to the side. Um, That's the sorry. next podcast. Okay. That's the next podcast. <laughs> sorry, sorry. We'll, not, we'll unpack that little later. Today. Um, but he said that and you see that in the scripture where he's like, don't you see that the lips of infants will praise my name? And that's actually referring back to Psalm 8, mm-hmm. which was written how long ago? Um, and so just seeing the prophetic nature of who God is, we don't see that a lot maybe, or talk about that a lot, but I think there's so much happening with 
um, prophecy right here. Because we also think back to maybe some of the minor prophets um, from the Old Testament, and they have the same issue. Israel just keeps on doing their thing because they have the same issue in the Old Testament where, you know, kingdoms are sacrificing to idols and all these things are happening that shouldn't be happening. And God is saying, I'm going to wreck you if you do not stop. (laughs) That's a brief summary there, you know, but he's saying that again and again to Israel and Christ is saying, Hey, let's take a look into the past. Remember when I said children will praise my name. Remember when I said, stop doing this or I will show you. I will show you that you cannot keep doing this. And so it's like he's repeating the same prophetic message that has been repeated throughout the Old Testament. We need to be obedient. We need to be faithful. We need to create a space for God. And we need to stop sacrificing to idols. We need to stop prioritizing ourselves. And it's the same lesson. And Christ is just reiterating that. And it is beautiful that the children can be a part of that moment and a part of fulfilling that prophecy from Psalm 8 and from the prophets. So I think that's pretty significant. Definitely. Yeah. Yes. Children are, the Bible says it, in fact, that unless we become like little children, we won't be able to enter the kingdom of God. And it is, it is often one of those scriptures that's like, hmm, how interesting. And, and being in children's ministry, I mean, you know how honest children are, how blunt they can be, how trusting they can be, how how so simple but so profound <laughs> at the same time. And you think of, we were talking a few weeks ago about the Pharisees being there and, and uh, about the disciples, sorry, being there and still not understanding who God was and the Pharisees too seeing what the miracles were God, what Jesus was doing and still not knowing truly who he was. And here again, <laughs> another story of them seeing what is happening before them, but still not paying attention. And possibly yeah. you just said it. They, they know the scriptures. They know these things. They know what was said by which prophet and when these are men who knew the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And yet, there stands the fulfillment of the scripture before them and they they still don't know. And here we have children having say, hey, (laughs) this is God, this is Jesus, this is the expected one and we're going to worship him. We're going to praise him. We're not going to stand in the corner like you doing your own thing. But we are going to give respect where it's due. We're going to give recognition where it's due. We're going to give worship where it's due. And this is the Jesus. This is the one, the Messiah we've been waiting for. And we're going to praise him. And I also went back to read what Psalm 8 said. And I found the, the latter part interesting. I'll read the whole version for you. It uh, came from a contemporary version. It said, with praises from children and from tiny infants, you have built a fortress. It makes your enemies silent. And all who turn against you are left speechless. I thought that was like, yeah, Jesus was giving it to them with scriptures they already know. So, you know, this, this, is, this is me here. Silence. Let these children praise me because you're obviously missing the point here. Yeah. What do you think, Pastor Laura? I think that Jesus kind of dropped the mic after saying that. Like, don't you know? <laughs> and it's, 
I don't know. And this is also, they're, they're not just seeing the kids praising him, but they, Jesus just healed, you know, the lame and, and the blinds. Mm-hmm. So he flips the table, does his healing. At the same time, the children are praising him. And then these leaders are, what? And who has walked into this temple? Who does this man, who is he really? Because he definitely isn't the Christ. Because that's, you know, no, that definitely cannot be it. Even though every single sign points to it. They're still like, nope, cannot wrap my head around that. We must kill him because he is, you know, speaking in the name of God. How is this man healing? Why are the children praising him? And so, I don't know, it's, it's, um, it's such an, an intense moment of Jesus just, not intense, but like, Jesus, like, this is who I am. The kids come to me. Why don't you? And if you need a little reason why, here's some scripture. You know? But they, it's, I don't know. It's it's a lot to take in. And I, Bailey, you were you kind of rushed upon it a little bit, but I don't know where I would be in this story. <laughs> you know, especially as someone as perfect as Jesus, perfect in the sense of every every aspect, you know, and I wouldn't understand. And so I would doubt because I would be, there would be fear of the unknown, this fear of, is it really true? You know, and there's a little part of me, part of me that doesn't blame them. Because mm-hmm. like, that is so, that I can't imagine and the other part's like, well, if you really knew the scripture, you would be, you should know. <laughs> like, and that, that is obviously where we are with this. But um, is there any last things you guys would like to add before we shut it down? <laughs> <laughs> um, I just feel like one thing, I mean, the thing that makes me in love with God and makes me coming back and brings me to a place where even when I feel inadequate or even when I'm, you know, not doing the best, I come back to who God is, is at the end of the day, he is a God of healing and he is a God of mercy. And it's like, sometimes we might get convicted or we might feel retribution. Like the fact that he went to the temple and he was angry and turned over the tables. I'm sure people were like, what, you know? And sometimes we might look at God and be like, what are you doing to me? Like, why do I feel so attacked? Or, you know, maybe we don't feel the best, but it's like at the end of the day, God is doing these things in our life as an act of mercy, as an act of grace, as an act of healing, as an act of bringing us closer to him. And it it's really been hard for me to wrestle with that because there's so many things where it's like, I have pride or I don't know, or it's just hard for me to wrestle with like, why does this happen? And we just have to get brought back to God is doing this as an act of mercy, as an act of grace, even when it's difficult, even when we feel like it's unfair or we don't understand completely why God is using it for his good and using it to turn us back to him. It's, he went into the temple courts. He didn't want to destroy those people's lives. He wanted to turn them back to him. Yeah. And he's consistently doing that to us. And it's, it's such a powerful message because it's leading us to Easter. Mm-hmm. It's pointing us back to Easter and to his sacrifice. And yeah. It's pointing us back to who God is. And we need that a lot. <laughs> he 
even when it's difficult. So I just, I find this whole passage so powerful because at the end it's like, oh, he's a God of grace. He's a God of mercy because he wants us to be close to him. He's not trying to be mean. He's not trying to be angry. Right. He's trying to point us back to who he is. So. Right. I see it as him disrupting our religious practices and norms. <laughs> yeah <laughs> jesus like is is you know he is as you were saying pastor bill he has such love he is he wasn't doing it to be mean he was doing it out of a heart of love and a heart of compassion mm -hmm. wanting to set us right wanting to shake the pharisees and say yo all these laws you guys are working so hard to try to keep and it is a bit impossible to keep God is saying, I am here to help. I am here to show you mercy. I'm here to, to turn you back. And I, I just feel like this, this whole season of, well, this whole passage that we were reading with, with him worshiping, with the worship that happened before, then the cleaning of the temple and then the healing. And then here again, the children are coming to worship and to, to, to just proclaim who he is and to, to just set him up and remind them, hey, and Jesus here again is reminding them, remember the scripture, remember what it says and what, what happened, you know. And he is just there calling us, calling us back to him, calling us back to God, calling us back to, to the beginning. He's trying to reset us, like forget all these things you do. Yes, they're good. Yes, yes, they're good. You've grown used to it. You've been doing it for years. It comes second nature, but. There is more. There is more. There's a relationship that I want to have with you. There's a personal connection that I want to have with. Not just about following the rules and the laws, but it's about a, a deeper connection. And and for me, that's what it was. And again, Pastor Bailey, that word, that safe space. You said it a couple mm -hmm. of times, and I yes. I remembered it, creating that safe space. And and it made me reflect. Like, am I creating that safe space for people when they come to God? not just come to the church, but, but am I showing them that? Am I, am I leading them to Christ and showing them the true worship or am I being a distraction? Am I showing them what they should not be focused on rather than who they should be giving the glory to, who their sacrifice should be, should, should be um, directed to and centered to. And, and that was one of those, again, a hard searching moment and, as we were seeing, you know, this whole Lent season is, it's about searching, searching yeah. the heart, going deep on the inside, cleaning it up. And it, 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 it will happen next week when we, we get to that cross and it's laying it there and just resting it. But it is a process. It's a, it's a daily process for all of us. We're, we're never there yet, but a work in progress. Yeah. I, I love the scenery of this passage too of that of the temple because Jesus talks about I'm about to rebuild this temple, you know, and like they're thinking it's what he's gonna tear down this temple and then build it back up. And obviously he's talking about his his own body and self mm -hmm. everything. Um, but what an an image of that this renewal and and Pastor Bailey, you talked about it in your message is purification that's happening of the temple and in a sense should, we should be doing with our own selves and, and with the church as a whole. Mm -hmm. And then Jesus is going to live this out when he, you know, good Friday comes 
on the cross and then that there comes a glor- glorifying Hosanna in the highest Sunday morning, you know, that we will be celebrating. Um, and so this is such a, a cool image of that um, eternal renewal that, that comes with this Lent season. Yes. Yeah. That's uh, okay. This also could be a whole other podcast, but I'll just say one thing. Just <laughs> said really reminded me of how powerful and powerful the image is of the Eucharist and Christ saying, this is my body given for you. This is my blood shed for you. And he says that at the last supper to remind them mm-hmm. and to tell them after I die, the temple is through my body and through my blood. That is what the, that is how you will know me. That is how you will know God is through mm-hmm. me. He becomes the new temple. And it just, it really speaks to how powerful the Eucharist is when we're thinking about communion, when we're thinking about community, Mm -hmm. his body and blood is at the center of that. And it all starts here in this narrative. And it's, it's so, so beautiful. So yeah, he's making a comment about the Eucharist. Really? He's saying, I am the new temple, my body, my blood, I'm giving it to you, Mm -hmm. the disciples. Remember this. That's pretty fun. Yeah. So we got two podcasts coming for you from this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. As always, it's a joy to do this podcast and especially with Melissa and our guest today, Pastor Bailey. Yay. Church, we are so thankful that you do listen to our voices (laughs) talk about um, just getting deep with these conversations and and, um, just being real together as a church because... Um, that's, that's part of the safe place that we're talking about yes. that, that yes. Bailey, Bailey had mentioned this safe place is raw. It's real. It's mm-hmm. what is going on in your life. And this is, this is what it is folks. So we look forward to seeing you guys, hopefully at the good Friday service. And then we have the Sunday morning sunrise service. Are you guys going to be there? Yeah. Yeah. Melissa, okay. Wow, Melissa has kids and she still is going to be there. That's awesome. Super Uh, mom. (laughs) Yes. We may be there in pajamas. (laughs) (laughs) No shame. (laughs) And y'all don't know, but I got my pajama pants on right now. (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, Yeah. And then we have our later on, later in the morning, Sunday morning service. So um, then we have one more podcast after that just to wrap up our this Lent season and and kind of what is what is this season done for us and and what is God really what has God done through us in this season and and yeah. where where do we go from there so uh, one hope family we'll see you guys next week bye bye